On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Laura Burgett from Three Ships Beauty. Awesome conversation. We talked about all sorts of things that are incredibly relevant to you guys right now. We talked about ambassador programs with an affiliate portion um, to them and how that is driving massive customer lifetime value from the referrals that she's getting from that program. Absolutely amazing. We talked about fundraising, what to do, what not to do. We talked about value, uh, valuation compression. We talked about her being on Dragon's Den, which is the Canadian version of Shark Tank arguably the better version of uh, Shark Tank, in my opinion, and uh, just all sorts of stuff. Guys, you are going to want to stop everything else that you're doing and listen to this episode right now. If you are a mid seven figure brand and above, listen up. Are you struggling with ads this year? Uh, How about growth in general? What about profitability? Supply chain issues got you down? You are not alone. As a brand owner myself, I totally get this. iOS 14 has ravaged many smaller brands. The good news, our clients at Upgrowth and the brands that we own have not been touched. Don't get me wrong. We had to fight to figure out how to advertise effectively in a post-surveillance ad world, but we learned some incredible lessons along the way, and we want to share some of those lessons with you. So go to www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow to apply for a free growth plan today so we can show you what is working in a post iOS 14.5 world. Again, that is www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow. Now on to today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Today, I am joined by Laura Burgett from Three Ships. Laura, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Yes. As everyone knows, I love to have fellow Canadians on. Not that I don't like Americans. We mostly have Americans on here. But there's just something about talking to another Canadian that we just kind of get each other a little bit more than Americans. And I'm I'm sure you Americans that are listening to this, which, you know, there's thousands of you out there. I'm sure you understand when it comes to people, you know, from your area. Anyway, (laughs) uh, Laura, for people who don't know anything about you or Three Ships, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you guys do. Yeah, definitely. So like you mentioned, I'm Canadian. So we're based out of Toronto, Ontario. Um, My background actually is in chemical engineering. So I went to school at the University of Toronto for ChemEng, graduated and was like, I really want to start my own thing. I had run two companies while I was in school, loved those experiences. So knew that I wanted to start up my own brand after I'd left school. In my fourth year of university, I had started to become more and more of a fan of natural skincare and natural beauty products, um, but realized two things in the market that I was super frustrated with and could not find solutions for, which I think are oftentimes how the best businesses are actually started and created. So the two frustrations um, that I was experiencing was one, products were really expensive within Mm. natural skincare. I was looking at having to spend like $400 for a full routine, which as a student or recent grad, I just couldn't afford. And then how do you even justify that as a... And how many of those would you have to buy a year? You'd probably have to replenish like maybe two or three times depending on the product per year. Wow. Wow. As a student, that's like a massive part of your budget. Huge amount. Like I can't afford to spend a thousand dollars a year on skincare as a student. Yeah. Yeah. And many people can't afford that or justify it anyways. And then the other problem that I ran into is once I did find products that were affordable and claimed that they were natural, they weren't actually. There's a ton of greenwashing going on in the space. Uh, you know, I would look at the ingredient list and be like, there's not much natural about this other than the aloe leaf that they just slap on the front of the packaging. So I just felt like I was constantly being lied to and ripped off, to be totally yeah. honest, by the industry. And it was like, there has to be a better way. So literally launched three ships, which initially launched under a different brand name back in March of 2017, which we then rebranded to three 
ships around two years ago. So the brand in its current form has only been on market for two years, but got started with just $4,000. Wow. Okay. Incredible. Talk to me about the rebrand. Why Why a rebrand three or four years into your business? What, what was that all about? Was there legal issues? Was there, what happened with that? Yeah. So it was for two reasons. One of the main drivers was that we weren't able to get our trademark for the new body mm. brand name. We could have gone to court and gone through that whole process and song yep. and dance. Our trademark attorney felt that we had a strong case, but it was just kind of like at that point, we were so relatively unknown. My co-founder and I had just gone full-time like a year before. So, and because for the first two years, we were side hustling it outside of our full-time job. So we were like, it doesn't really make sense to go through this long drawn out expensive legal process. Let's just totally. change our name. And then the second reason was that when we had initially launched the brand, it was under the name New Body, New spelled N-I-U, which is Hawaiian for coconut. And that made sense at first because all of our products had coconut oil in them. But as we expanded the line, this wasn't true anymore. And mm. so it just didn't really align with our product philosophy. And we wanted to mature the brand up. We wanted it to be a little bit easier for people pr- to pronounce and to spell because people didn't know how to say new. So there was just a ton of factors that made a ton of sense to change the name over. Cool. Thanks for going through that with me. It's always interesting, you know, when people go through rebrands or breaking companies out into different areas, I just like to know, like, what's the thought behind that? Did it work? Did it it help you continue to grow? It definitely did. Yeah. Now we find that 24% of our customer base is actually men, which was not the case before rebranding. So that's helped tremendously with our change. We've also been able to go more upmarket in terms of the age demographic that we target. When we had initially targeted and started through like New Body, we had thought that our primary audience would be women under the ages of 30. And what we found is that our actual sweet spot is more like women 35 to 45. So it allowed us to mature. The the ones with money. Exactly. The ones with money. Yeah. It turns out not many 18 year olds want to spend money on skincare, even if it's only like $20 for a product. So it it made a ton of sense. The brand has grown tremendously since then. So last year we did just under 4 million in sales, which was up from 600,000 the year before. So it made a huge, huge impact for us. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. Let's talk. Were you guys, have you guys bootstrapped this whole way? Have you brought in investors? What what does that journey look like? We have brought on external capital. So we've raised around $2 million over the course of the business through predominantly angels. So we haven't really worked with any funds at this point. It's just been angels, mostly strategic people. Cool, cool. Now, uh, let's get into that for a sec. Where do you find these strategic investors? Is this just building your network and, and reaching out to people? Yeah, it's all networking and reaching out to people. So every time that you have a conversation, basically asking them and being like, do you know someone else that would be interested in talking to us? Cool. And getting intros through those intros. It's actually a funny story. How we met a good portion of our investors through is through this one guy is the main person that's connected us with people who have then connected us with more. And how we met that guy was actually by accident. So this was probably, I think, around three years ago. Connie and I were at a trade show down in the US called Shop Talk in Las Vegas. Great trade yeah. show, by the way, if anyone's looking to attend one. And we had signed up for a part of their programming that was connecting smaller brands with investors. Yeah. And we were supposed to be meeting up with someone from the investment team at Lockheed Town, which is like a big French uh, skincare and body yeah. care line. And, like, looks um, like Octane? Yeah, exactly. Octane, yeah. <laughs> I just call that La Octane. La Octane, yeah. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> That's definitely the more English way of saying it. And so I had looked up the guy ahead of time and knew what he looked like roughly based off his LinkedIn profile, went to the area that we were supposed to be meeting him. It was like this like booth, like hangout lounge area. And as we were walking up, there was this like guy that I thought was him that looked really similar. And he looked in our direction, was smiling. So I smiled back, went up, confidently shook his hand and was like, hey, Philippe, like great to meet you. He's like, oh, I'm not him. And I'm like, oh, so sorry. Like nice running into you. Enjoy the rest of your day. And that was it. But I guess we 
we left like a positive first impression because he looked at our name tags and had looked up our emails and cold emailed us later that day being like, hey, I oh, know so it, it was him. It wasn't him. It was some other random guy from another fund, like oh. a venture fund in Canada, <laughs> like random person. But we made a good impression. He reached out, found us online and then wanted to set up a conversation. And then he introduced us to like the guy who ended up introducing us to the majority of our investors. So oftentimes it's a little bit of luck, but also making great impressions and just networking every chance you can. Absolutely. You guys, for, for those of you listening here, so I never thought, uh, as everybody knows who listens to this, we own a few different e-com brands. Oh, sorry. I hate saying I'm, I'm actually trying to get out of e-com brand. We own brands. Brands. <laughs> because yeah. some, because one of our brands is 75% wholesale. So that's not an e-com brand. That's just a brand. Yeah. So, uh, and interestingly, you know, I never thought that I would raise capital ever. I'm like, ah, we're bootstrapped. Like we can make this work. Oh, banks, come on, give us more money. Like we can do this on our own. And uh, I've recently made a big mental shift in, especially bringing on strategic investors, right? Mm-hmm. I, I love that idea of bringing on both the capital and the brain and the network that they have. But without networks like LinkedIn or going to trade shows or whatever it is, it's really hard to find those people. And so I just want to encourage all of you. I, I know I've, I've been on the LinkedIn train on here for a long time. But guys, that is the place where you can make these connections. And that's where people like us are all the time, right? That's where I spend the majority of my time in social is on LinkedIn. So just want to encourage you guys that it is not just a cesspool of salespeople trying to get you to do something. There are incredible people on LinkedIn. Recently, I had a post about one opportunity with one of our brands. Within the hour, I had 17 potential investors reach out. So there is incredible power in LinkedIn. Just wanted uh, everyone to understand the real power and why you should be on there literally posting every day if you've got a strategy and something to say. So yeah, so true. LinkedIn's a great platform. Yeah, absolutely. Laura, let's uh, let's talk marketing. It's 2022. Yeah. First of all, is anything working? Yeah, I mean, things have definitely changed. The landscape has changed so much, even from just 12 months ago. It's just absolutely insane. What we've been seeing is that the two channels that work best for us are customer marketing. So trying to encourage or force customers to have those organic conversations more frequently so that we can cool. get those customers to refer new customers. So what we've done is we've built out a customer community called The Fleet. And what we found is that any customers that we acquire through The Fleet and through those affiliate kind of conversations and sales actually have 150% higher LTV than our regular customers, Mm. which is incredible. So they're really valuable. They tend to be extremely loyal and they're really cheap to acquire. So how that works is we've set up custom code essentially for each one of these fleet members, which we identify from our existing customer pool and audience as like top spending or like most loyal customers. We have a bunch of flows set up automatically that invite people into the program. And then they're given a discount code to get 20% off anyone that they refer. And then they get 15% of their of that sale essentially that they were oh, okay so you're, you've set it up as an affiliate it is like for, an affiliate program exactly for, them. for our customers kind of idea gotcha and it's worked out really really well for us it's been a really really low hanging fruit really easy way for us to acquire new customers and then again deepens those relationships with our top customers as well so it kind of serves two purposes for retention as well as acquisition the other channel that's working really well for us right now is actually pr and affiliate combined so like mm paying publishers for like cost per click to feature us in different articles. Cool. Who are you using for that? Narrative, which just recently rebranded to Howl. Uh. They've been great to work with. We have usually PR is one of those things that you're like, okay, I'm spending five grand a month or whatever on this agency for a retainer. But what am I really getting? They're giving me like, you know, impressions and like UVMs, but that doesn't really move the needle. Whereas with the pieces that we get from Narrative slash Howl, it really does make a difference. Like we see an immediate lift on the day and the day after those 
those publications go live. And then we're able to drive traffic to those publications as well afterwards, which again, gives us credibility and a proof point. So that's been a channel that's done really, really well for us. Like our sales will 3x on the day that an article goes up. Wow. If you're paying per click for these articles and you're driving traffic to the articles, are those clicks then free that come back to the website or are you kind of double paying We're double because paying of the social in a sense, but we find okay. that it still makes sense just because the costs per clicks are so low through those sorts of platforms. It's usually around $3. And because we're driving traffic to somebody else's site, like the conversion rates are a lot higher off of those, that like flow, that user flow as well, the user yeah. journey and the click through rates on those types of creative tend to be two to three times higher than our typical creative that would take people just directly to our website as well. Gotcha. So it ends up making a ton of sense for us, even though we're double paying for the clicks. Yeah. 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 Okay. So what kind Kind of, I've worked with a service like this in the past. What sort of publications are they getting you into when it comes to this? And what does that whole process look like on this platform? It's a lot of the top tier publications. So tier A's and B's. So for example, like InStyles, US Weeklies, Well and Good is probably one of our top performers within our audience. So because we sell natural skincare products, our main audience are like millennial women. So 25 to 45. Yeah. Oftentimes I like to leave like a health and wellness focused lifestyle. A lot of women switch over to these products when they're pregnant or breastfeeding. So that's why they tend to read outlets like Well and Good that focus on holistic wellness. And yeah. so that's a publication that works really well for us. But it is tier A. They also have like independent creators. So for example, YouTubers on the platform, but we don't tend to partner with those people as much. Okay. Interesting. I love the PPC model of that because mm-hmm. especially like when you work with even like bigger influencers, right? You're like, well, okay, like what am I actually going to get out of this? Right. Especially yeah. like with TikTok's algorithm and, and Instagram's algorithm, you're like, are we even going to get the impressions to make this control. like, yeah, totally. Sometimes it ends up being like a hundred dollars CPM and you're like, uh, this makes literally no, no sense, sense right now. Yeah. 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 It's so true. We've done a lot of uh, macro influencer testing last year and we just decided to entirely scrap the program because it just wasn't working. Like I think that people now, see through influencers and when they're like pushing products and yeah. tagging things with hashtag sponsored or ads like it just doesn't really make sense anymore at totally. least for us as a brand we weren't seeing the results yeah and i'm totally with you laura like so really interesting case study actually in all of this we one of our brands just recently did a customer survey i think we had around somewhere between two and three thousand responses we asked uh, one of the questions it was 35 questions that we asked one of the questions was which influencers do you trust of the responses it is crazy the amount of responses for two influencers in general jillian harris and bird's papaya and that was it yeah that is everybody said that they trust and there was nobody else on the list so we're like so that's basic and anecdotally i've had you know friends use both of them as influencers and And seen like massive like 60 to hundred thousand dollar days that's what i've heard as well and like we've would love to partner with them we've been going after both of them but oftentimes with these types of influencers they also don't want to just like do a paper post so it tends to be like longer partnerships you have to put in place where you're like co-developing a product together they get a cut of sales like these are the things that make sense but certainly within canada those are the only two that i keep hearing that come up as well everybody else in some ways is a bit of a waste of your time and money in our experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. We had one other one that was just incredible. She had about a million followers on YouTube and she was amazing. And since uh, then, she's decided to stop posting on YouTube, which uh, really sucks. Really? So wow. she was a great, it was an awesome influencer. Actually lives in, in the city that we live in. But anyway, <laughs> we're going down a bit of a rabbit trail here. Laura, I want to go back into your affiliate slash ambassador program, because I think that's really important for us to, to chat about here. What do you call them again? The fleet. The fleet. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. How many people 
people are in this program, I just want to break this down to see if this is something that other people can execute on in 2022. Right now, I believe that we have around 700 customers are in that community, but it's around like, you know, 10, the top 10 to 15% that drive most of the sales from it. Yeah, yeah. of course. 80-20. It's a rule, 80, 20, everyone. Always, always. <laughs> it's it's such a truism. Yeah. It's interesting because we've, we've developed a program like this recently at one of our companies and it's incredible the amount of revenue. I mean, even in the last, we developed it like two, we launched it two weeks ago and it's already driven about 10,000 of sales in two Amazing. weeks. Amazing. That's awesome. Which is just like, just incredible to see how these ambassador programs can actually work. What platform are you using to do all of this? So right now we're on Grin, but we're probably going to be moving over. So we're actually in the process of launching a new loyalty and rewards program. So this will have multiple tiers and then the fleet will be the top tier within that program. So it'll make people feel like they've earned the right to be in that program. It'll give them like cool. really like spelled out, clear, clearly defined perks. And then we're going to be switching over likely to Dovetail to manage the affiliate side of the program. Highly recommend Dovetail. Shopify, oh, that was one of yeah, your, your better acquisitions. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree. It was not a platform that we would have considered before the acquisition, but now that they've acquired them, I'm just like, okay, this is clearly an app that's going to be getting a ton of support from Shopify. The integration is going to start to become a lot better. It's now free. So I'm just like, it makes so much sense in so many ways. It's incredible. Like for a free program now, it's like, I can't imagine using anything else. How are you communicating with them? Is this just one-to-many communication? Do you have a community where you're housing these people? Both. So we do do one-to-many. So like email blasts, essentially, where we've set up yeah. those people as having tags within Shopify. So then we're able to create a list that's automatically maintained within Klaviyo. So if we have like okay. new product launches, we'll do an email blast to everybody in the fleet. They also get early access to any of our sales so that they can buy things before some of our top sellers potentially sell out. Cool. And that's another perk that they get as well. And then we do also have a Facebook community that we invite people into when they first get invited to the fleet. And we're able to post on there. Customers will ask each other other questions. They'll ask for suggestions. They'll share their routine. It's been really cool actually to see the community start to like self-manage itself in some ways. Mm. And for them to start to like share learnings with each other of like, oh, what are the ways that like you share your discount code with customer, like with friends and family that's working really, really well for you. So I would definitely recommend doing both options. Some people love to engage with brands on social, others don't. So it's good yeah. to have both options for people. Awesome. Awesome. That's great, Laura. Uh, hey, I just want to jump back over to investors. How do you deal with valuations when you're dealing with investors? Because I think probably a lot of people who are listening to this are thinking, oh, maybe this is the time to kind of get to that next level, maybe take on some strategics and some cash. How do you deal with, because one of the biggest things that you know we've seen from you know people that we've worked with in the past, not necessarily in our races, but is valuation compression. How do you deal with that with investors? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'd say to back up a little bit, one of the main things you need to think about when you're starting to kick off a fundraise is timing. Unfortunately, investors are not as you know numbers driven, most of them on average, as you would like them to be. It's a lot of emotional decision making that they're actually making. And it's a lot of FOMO. So fear of missing out is how most investors honestly make their investment decisions. So you need to make sure that you time your fundraise kickoff with some sort of big announcement within the business. So either being like, okay, we just hit this like big threshold that now we're doing $500,000 a month in revenue on like a regular 
recurring basis, or we landed this new retail partner, or we just had this huge day with this influencer and we've really figured out our model. Our LTV to CAC ratios look really, really good. It's like you need to have some sort of moment or like groundswell oh, totally. up behind the brand and then do your fundraise. Otherwise, you're going to be swimming up uphill a lot. And then from a valuation standpoint, what we've always done is we've looked in market to see what acquisitions and multiples those acquisitions have been valued at. So within the beauty space, it's usually five to eight X top line. So when we go into our fundraises, we use the lower end of that range because yep. obviously once a business has exited and they're at that scale and size, they're a little bit more de-risked. And we're able to show like, you know, we recognize that we're a riskier investment because we're not big yet. So we'll give you like, you know, the lower end of that range of four to five X. And that's usually how we've been valuing ourselves. Cool. Cool. I like that. I research. really like that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. We're on Dragon's Den as well. So like the Canadian version of Shark Tank for any Americans that are listening. And yeah. that was the same approach that we took. Um, the Dragon's tend to grill people. I'm sure that you've seen on valuations tends to be one of the oh. biggest sticking points. Yeah. They just hammer people on it. And we actually didn't get any pushback during the show on our valuation at all ah. by using that sort of a method of, uh, of researching, finding like articles and proof points about valuations other brands are getting, and then taking the lowest end of that range. Cool. Cool. That's awesome. I, I, that, I love that. How did that conversation go with the dragons? It was good. It was obviously nerve wracking to be on the show. I've been watching it since I was like in my teens. So it was kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. We were in the den for around 45 minutes, which of course they then edit down into seven minutes yeah. for the actual airing. We got three offers from four different dragons, accepted an offer with Jim Treliving on the actual show. So it was actually not an equity offer. It was going to be more of a royalty structure up to like a cap until he had a certain amount of his money paid back over a given period of time. Oh, um, interesting. After when we were in due diligence with them, we actually ended up opening up our own pre-seed round with some of these external angels. So this was our first round of funding. And we ended up declining Jim's offer because we got better terms from external angels that weren't on this sort of like royalty structure mm. and were on like a better valuation for the business as a whole, but still in contact with his family office. And was it was super incredible for us from like a brand awareness standpoint, would highly recommend Dragon's Den to any Canadians that are listening. It was a awesome. wonderful experience. For being on the show, there's these thoughts I think that people have, and I've heard these rumors out there and never actually seen any proof of that, that just to be on the show, you have to give up a certain amount of equity. Is that actually true? No, that's not true. So they yeah, don't take any you. equity. They don't take any, <laughs> they don't charge you for anything. Like there's no cost to be on the show at all. Thank you, Laura. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, there's been people in my network that have said these things and I'm like, no, I'm like, that is just not true. Well, no, I've heard it from super, a friend of a friend. <laughs> yeah, no, super not true. No, that's uh, I can debunk that. We did not have to give up any amount of equity to be on the show. We didn't have to pay anything to be on the show. The only thing that you have to do is sign like a three page release contract essentially, which can be a little bit scary because you're basically giving them consent to like paint you in any light that they want. So they can uh, like re-edit yes. things to make things look like they went a certain way, even if they yep. didn't, or they can like, so yep. you just have to make sure they have a really good poker face on the show. Uh, okay. Okay. Nice. Nice. I don't know if I would do very well on there because I'm uh, pretty, pretty, pretty expressive. emotional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, yeah. Pretty expressive. Yeah. Laura, this is awesome. I could just keep talking and talking with you, but I've got one more question to ask you. Well, one, and then I've got three more after that. Awesome. What is, this is the question I ask everyone. What is your secret to scaling? Secret to scaling, I would say would be honestly involving your customers in the process as much as possible. And I know that sounds like maybe a little bit of a cop out, but one example would be our fleet community. Another example would be that we are constantly asking our customers what they want us to develop next for SKUs. Mm. And then every yep. single product that we launch becomes our top seller because we're just constantly taking their feedback into what cool. product they want to see next and involving that into our R&D process. And then obviously having product market fit. For us, we have a 48% repeat purchase rate with 
within 12 months of first purchase or cool. 27% within 90 days if our customers will come back and repeat buy at least that product or something else. So that's been our real driver within our growth is the repeat rate and the return rate for our customers. So don't scale until you have that product market fit would be my suggestion or else you're just going to be burning through cash constantly acquiring people. Laura, you're very smart. That was great. And three more questions for you here if you are ready. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, first question, favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Uh, the Shopify count, because I can't imagine my life without it. If Shopify doesn't count, Shopify then, counts. Okay, then, then <laughs> Shopify. Like, I can't imagine us running our business without it. Outside of Shopify, maybe a little less well-known one. It's this uh, Gmail app at, like extension called Boomerang. It's incredible. Like, I really I suffer Boomerang. whenever I don't have it in my inbox. So if you don't have Boomerang, you need it. It's amazing. Yeah, totally. Boomerang's incredible. Like, I, I'm pretty sure I'm still just on their free plan. And like, there is so much that you can do, especially like with scheduling. So and yeah, it's it's amazing. I, I, I use the Boomerang feature for that. everything. Like reminders to have it come back into my inbox because otherwise with like the volume of messages that you're getting or sending in a day, it's impossible to remember and like follow up with people if they haven't followed up with like replied back to you. So yes. it's a great yes. app. Yeah, absolutely. Second question for you, favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now? So favorite podcast for years has been how I built this and probably still is. I'm sure that you get that answer all the time on this podcast. I haven't I can for only a long assume. time. Really? Laura, I, had, I had like 30 guests in a row, like back in the day, like a couple years ago that said how I built this. And then I just, I never get it anymore. I'm like, is no one listening to this podcast anymore? <laughs> well, I still am. Maybe I'm behind the times, but I love it. I love hearing stories directly from founders. I think that that's really the best way to learn is to hear someone that's been in the weeds. In terms of audiobook, one of my favorite books of all time is Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Mm. So that's a book that I could listen to over and over again. But in general, I really enjoyed those types of stories of like biographies from people that have been there, done it. The Company I Keep is another really great one that's very similar in terms of format to Shoe Dog, but it's specific to the skincare space. So it's written by Leonard Lauder, which is the person that bit Estee Lauder, or built, sorry, Estee Lauder. Cool. So cool. that's another great one. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. Last question for you. If you could sit down with anybody, you get an hour with them. They have to be alive. You can have some coffee, tea, beer, wine. It cannot be Elon Musk. Who would it be? It cannot be Elon Musk. That's so funny. Ooh, I just get that answer every single time because it's everyone's very first. <laughs> everybody's very first thought. Mm, that's a tough one. I'm sure that you get Barack Obama all the time as well. I think that I've only had Barack like once. Really? Okay. Well, then Only that would be my, my answer. So I just think he's like a really down to earth, kind of interesting, cool guy, very laid back. Like I would actually enjoy the conversation instead of feeling like someone they were just doing it out of obligation would be my impression of things with him. And I'm sure he'd like ask great questions as well. Right? Like I feel yeah. like he'd actually like, I've you know seen him obviously talk so many times. I love seeing him on Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee so uh, with Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. It was just like, I bet that this is actually what you're episode, like. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Great episode. So he's just really down to earth and like genuine. So that would be one of my choices. And then in terms of someone that I would love to grab like a drink with or like go out for a night with would be Jennifer Lawrence. Oh. In terms of like celebrities, she would be one that I would love to be friends with just because she seems so funny and quirky and just like real and cool. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Awesome. She'd be a great influencer as well, I'm sure. She would be. She'd be, be uh, yeah. yes. Yeah, she would be. <laughs> Laura, this was great. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, really, really enjoyed this. This was, yeah, this is just an absolute pleasure. Where can people find out more about you and more about Three Ships? Yeah. So for Three Ships, you can find us online, threeshipsbeauty.com, three spelt out like T-H-R-E-E, -E, and also at Three Ships Beauty on pretty much every social media platform. And then for me, my Instagram handle is Laura A. Burgett, B-U-R-G-E-T. So feel free to find me on 
on there and shoot me a DM. Awesome. Thanks so much, Laura. Awesome. Thanks, Jordan. Great chatting. Hey, guys. We hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.